0: is up and welcome back Everyday Jesus Family as we are continuing our February series on love and relationship. So I'm really excited to dig into this thing of the marriage relationship and the things that the Lord has kind of revealed to me in the midst of studying about this and tearing down some of the things that I believed were true initially about marriage and relationship versus how that has changed with studying scripture and being married, Um, and I think I want to preface by saying that some of this stuff has just been revealed to me, um, not necessarily that I have read it anywhere except in the Bible. Um, so if any of you theologians out there want to send me a message or correct any of this, please, please, let's all learn together. One of the things about the marriage relationship initially um, that was a little bit profound to me, and I'm going to take you back to Genesis first. Um, and so that might seem a little bit like, okay, yeah, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve. But the thing that I want to talk about in Genesis starts with when God is creating man and woman and the way that he says that it says in Genesis 1:27 so God created human beings in his own image in the image of God he created them male and female he created them and this really jumped off the page at me one time when I was thinking about how the Bible often illustrates Marriage as being likened to the relationship between God and his church, right? So Jesus and the bride. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But think about the image of God and who God is. And it says that when he was making humans, he made them in his own image. And in the way of making them in his own image, he made them male and female, And so to me, that seems that both males and females carry specific pieces of the Lord's image. And what's really cool about marriage um, relationship is when a man and woman comes together, I think we make a more complete picture of Christ, of God, because we were both made in His image. And inherently, males and females are different. No matter what Coulter tries to tell us and convince us, there are just naturally different things between males and females. And I can take a quick tangent here just for a second. There are certain things that are culturally defined as masculine and feminine, and I think that this can be a dangerous territory because I think sometimes it pushes people into a realm of Oh, well, I'm not typically masculine. And then the world immediately tells a man who's maybe not typically masculine that he must be gay, right? Kids at school whisper and snicker and say that this untypically masculine male or atypically masculine male must be gay. And I think it just plants this idea in their head and then it just becomes truth. And so I think we have to be very careful about typical masculine things, sports, being tough, being rough versus typically feminine things like dresses and dolls. Like the Lord makes us each purposefully Like he knits us in the womb before we were born and he knew that some girls would love softball, right? Or working on trucks or whatever it is, wearing pants instead of high heels and dresses. And I think when the world grabs that and says, oh, well, you know, you don't look like the typical female. You don't act like the typical female. And because you don't fit into a category that seems typical to me, then that means that you're different and you must be the category that we end up putting them in is homosexual, right? So I think we just have to caution. (laughs) I want to caution that. But I digress back to, there are just some natural things that are a little bit different about males and females. And what you most often hear referenced and the difference between males and females have to do a lot with their relationship styles. So women, we typically do like more conversation, right? We like to talk and we love relationship. We, you know, really feed off friendships. And guys are typically, you know, less in touch with their feelings and less willing to talk about You know, those sort of feelings, things, you know, classically men are, you know, more sexual than women, especially when they're younger. Things sometimes tend to change in biology as we age. But there are just some of those typical features. I think that the Lord purposefully designed so that together we make his image. So just for an example with like Samuel and I, when we first started dating, Samuel hated a lot of conversation about, you know, emotion, but primarily like conflict. He hated conversation about conflict. And he would do a lot of things to try to avoid (laughs) those specific types of conversations. Like pretend that I'm not steaming in the car with my ears on fire and just like, you know, they're red and steaming like the cartoons that you watch. Pretending like there's nothing tangible in the air when I'm upset because, oh my goodness, he does not want to have that conversation about conflict. He doesn't want to have a conversation about emotions and that sort of stuff. So fast forward now, we've been together since 2009 with a short break in between there. Um, We didn't date other people at that break, but nonetheless, we've been married seven years. And now this man has no issue with talking about conflict, I'm the one who's like, man, I really don't want to deal with this conversation right now. I don't want to be all vulnerable that this is about to make me do. But at the same time, it just shows me like, wow, okay, together, we came together and we grew and we made the image of Christ, right? So the things that he wants us to love, um, the, the ways that he wants us to grow together, um, you know, males and females, we we carry these images differently, like women being naturally more nurturing. Like this is something that is a part of the image of Christ, and it's something that we bring together to that full, complete image when males and females marry each other. And Ephesians 5, 31 and 31. 32 says that a man leaves his father and mother, and the two become one, and this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And Ephesians tells us a lot about the marriage relationship. And so I'm going to back up a little bit, but there we can see that it is this marriage relationship that mirrors or refers to the relationship between Christ and the church. And before I dig into a little bit more about that specific purpose, I do want to hit 1 Corinthians because culture tells us that there's kind of like your ultimate goal or the thing that you are supposed to achieve is marriage right? And it tells especially women that we're incomplete or we're not whole, or we just haven't quite made it to our fullness if we are unmarried. And this is a lie. This is untrue. And I think a lot of people who don't go to church and aren't familiar with scripture, they would say, yeah, you know, Christians would say that the ultimate end all be all is to be married and to be fruitful and multiply, right? Right. But that's not what it says in Scripture. Um, in 1 Corinthians, we can see where Paul is talking. He says, I wish all of you could live unmarried just as I do. But I do understand that we are all decidedly different. Christ decides, decidedly different, with each having a special grace. For one thing or another. And then he also says, Paul says he thinks singleness is better, right? It is the better thing because in your singleness, right? An unmarried person is only worried about pleasing the Lord, right? It's undistracted. But the married person is you know, worried about pleasing their spouse, worried about, you know, making that person happy. And that's good. That's something that should be in marriage. But Paul says, you know, it's better to only be, you know, focused on the things of the Lord and undistracted with your heart in that way because you're divided. He says you're a little bit divided when you're married. Now we know that scripture also says that marriage is good. So I don't want you to take away from that. That's, you know, marriage is bad. We know that marriage is good because, you know, I think where the Lord, where Jesus performed his first miracle was at a wedding ceremony. You know, I think that that's kind of like a little glimpse and like, yeah, marriage is pleasing, you know? And also it says that it's good for a man not to be alone right? And then there's a lot of instruction about what it means to be married and how to be married well. So I think the ultimate thing is being faithful to what the Lord has called you to. And don't let anyone else tell you that you're less than because you're single or married. You know, the Lord, it says right here, decidedly different with a special grace for the thing that the Lord has called you to, right? And I think we can just, I mean, there's a scripture here. 1 Corinthians um, 7, 17, it says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to each God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. And that's Paul. Paul. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we just have to be faithful to the thing that the Lord has called us. Let Him know your desires. Pray about your desires, right? But don't think that you're less than, and don't let anybody tell you that you're incomplete or lacking because you're single or because you decided to get married. I digress. Let's go back to Ephesians 5, where it tells us a little bit more about, you know, the marriage relationship and the way that we are supposed to be, you know, living and acting within marriage. Scripture is one that kind of sets some people off sometimes (laughs) because the word submit exists here. So in Ephesians 5, we're going to start in verse 22. You probably know it. It says, for wives, right? This means, you know what? Let's back up to 21. It says, further submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That sets people off. They don't really like that. But then let's keep going. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of his body and the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, right? Ladies, let's don't get all all bent out of shape, right? Let's see what he has told the husbands before we get really upset about that. For husbands, this means... That you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Paul's, What did Christ do for the church? He sacrificed himself. Sacrificed himself. Lived holy and blameless for the church to be saved. Here it says, He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. This is beautiful. He did this to present her To himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And see, I don't think that we have to get all bent out of shape, ladies, because, you know, first of all, the Lord calls us to a specific role. You know, we love to quote the part of Scripture where, you know, it talks about we are all pieces of a body, right? It gives this illustration within the church that we are all parts of a body. We are all ears and eyes and lungs and organs and all the things that exist in a body so that it can function well. And we have to live within that role for the church to be healthy, And this is the same way for marriage, right? We have a specific role that the Lord has called us to. And one is not better than the other one. Submitting to our husbands is not a bad word. And the call to the husbands is not less than that, right? They are both specific and dutiful and purposeful roles. And the same way that, you know, well-functioning Organization has a CEO and a CFO and all the people who have very important and specific roles within it. The Lord's design for marriage is that the woman submits to her husband, right? And the man gives up his life for her to present her glorious and blameless. So I think we just have to stop whining about our role (laughs) and realize that neither one, not one role is better or easier than another, but to live truly and happily within the thing that the Lord has called us dutifully eager to serve one another. And this is tricky footing here because, you know, in the world marriage is all butterflies and happiness and love and laughing, but true marriage relationship is sacrifice. It is serving. If we are You know, the image of Christ and the church, that means giving up our lives for one another, submitting to one another. And it's hard work. And the point of it is not just so that you feel butterflies. You will. You can Not that that's bad. You will know joy, but you also will know hard things in marriage. I have a person in my family who loves to say, he's been divorced a few times, and and he loves to say to to me and my brother, like, you guys are so lucky because you found the right one and now you're so happy in marriage and it's just working. And it's like, you know, no, (laughs) we're not lucky. We work to serve And we invite the Lord in the midst of that foundation. But the thing is, we do have these specific roles, wives and husbands. And the thing is, we shouldn't despise our role. We should take whatever task that the Lord has given us and do it dutifully and happily as an offering that we get to make for Him. Marriage is a mirror, (laughs) I, don't, I thought I read that in Scripture somewhere. I was trying to find that Scripture. Like, I know I read this in Scripture. Do you ever do that? You read the Bible, and then you just, like, have interpreted a verse somewhere, and then you're trying to Google it later by the phrasing that you interpreted it as, and it's like, no, that's not a real Scripture. <laughs> so, if, again, theologians out there, if you know somewhere where in the Bible it says that marriage is a mirror, <laughs> please show me that. But it could have been a blog or something, but... You know, our relationships do show us our blemishes. What does that mean? For example, I have never been a more holy person than when I lived by myself. You know why? Because the dishes got done when I wanted to do them. The clothes got washed when I wanted them washed. um, There were no loud noises. If I didn't want them to exist, (laughs) there were no shows that I didn't want to watch on the TV. There was nothing interrupting the controlled environment in which I lived, and I thought I was so holy and kind. (laughs) And you know what happens when you put yourself in a relationship with another person is it holds up a mirror to yourself, and it shows you all your harsh little places. The way that you respond when... It is really loud and you want it to be quiet or maybe it's really quiet and you want it to be loud or whatever. When, when another human being is, you know, in contrast to exactly what you want to exist in the world, you see some of your ugly, right? And some of our ugly bits need to be refined, and that's the beauty of a good marriage relationship, is that refining power. The same way that a you know good friend sharpens a friend, that's what we should do for each other in marriage. Gently, humbly, you know, bringing each other back to Christ. But it does show you even more. It's a it's a new deep sanctification process. That's what marriage can be, so that we can be a good image of Jesus so that we can work towards righteousness that makes us look like him. So hear me, there is great purpose. There is great mission and ministry in the marriage relationship, especially when you go about choosing your spouse in the right way with godly counsel, right? But it's not all about us. It's not all about the things that we want to feel. It is about serving and sacrificing for one another. And we do have specific roles that we submit into this relationship. And so, I just want to encourage you guys to to pray and ask the Lord, what is the way that you can better serve your spouse today? And if you feel shame for anything that you did yesterday, maybe you were terse or short or whatever, forgive yourself. Accept the new mercy today and ask the Lord to help you serve in your role dutifully, happily, so that you can present the image of God. Your marriage can be a mission field so that it can change the lives of others and seek to serve your spouse. And if you guys are in a tough spot and you're just not meeting eye to eye, then invite some godly counsel. Invite someone else to speak into your life, someone who's been married longer than you guys, or get out into a small group. Marriage is a wonderful gift from the Father. It's not the ultimate realization, right? Some people are called to singleness, but make your marriage a beautiful offering that you present back to Him, a pleasing gift and aroma to the Father. thank you so much for tuning in today as we continued our February series on love and relationship. Next week, my husband Samuel is going to come on and we are going to talk about um, our marriage and how we carry our specific roles as male and female and all of our differences and all of its glory to make a beautiful offering for the Lord. It's going to be funny. We're going to be real. So next week, tune in for that. In March, I'm really excited to tell you guys about EJ chats. I have invited some very special friends of mine to get real um, and talk candidly about what it means to walk with Jesus every single day. So I'm really excited to show that to you guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Go leave a review. Hey, no matter what you're doing right now, take a pause, go leave us a review. Um, And don't forget we're on social media, Everyday Jesus Community on Instagram and Facebook. You guys already know what I'm going to say. I cannot wait to be with you all next time. And until then, every day, Jesus.